everybody. Welcome to Rock and Roll Shinsu Chu, episode number 94. It's good to be back. How are you guys? Oh, it's so great Fantastic. to be back. Excellent. Yeah. Excellent. It's been way too long. Um, so tonight, this is episode 94, but tonight we're actually going to go one number back and take you on a field guide to 1993. I think an important years in our lives as 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 brooding youth, uh, as well as um, just a, a lot of stuff going on in baseball. So, you know, touch them all, Joe. You'll never hit a bigger home run in your life. These were the words of the late Tom Cheek, the longtime voice of the Toronto Blue Jays, after Joe Carter hit a World Series winning home run off of Phillies reliever Mitch Williams in Game 6 of the 1993 World Series. This made the Blue Jays back-to-back series champs, the only team to accomplish that feat since the 1970s. That is, other than the 1998-2000 Yankees. But fuck the Yankees. Uh, And back-to-back winners was a theme carried throughout 1993 by Rock's newest heavyweights. Both Nirvana and Pearl Jam followed their previous massive hits, which, by the way, were still on the charts, with equally acclaimed follow-ups, In Utero and Versus, respectively. But the year was about much more than angst-ridden alternative rock. Hip-hop continued its ascendancy, both critically and commercially. After Dr. Dre introduced him to the world, Snoop Doggy Dogg made his own mark with Doggy Style setting him on the path towards the cultural icon status he enjoys today. The collective of a future uh, superstars, Wu-Tang Clang, released its landmark debut, Enter the Wu-Tang, 36 Chambers. Also, rap heavyweights like A Tribe Called Quest, Tupac Shakur, and Cypress Hill all released seminal records that cemented their status in hip-hop history. And finally, Liz Fair and PJ Harvey presented two raw personal LPs, that forced the music world to hear their new unflinching voices. So tonight, we give you a field guide to 1993. So I am excited about this. Um, First, we're going to talk a little bit about some of the music that we've discovered since 1993, and then also some of the work that um, we were listening to back in 1993. You know, I was thinking about this, guys, um, and and there, there, you know, there were a lot of good music. A lot of good music came out that year. A lot of it I wasn't listening to in 1993. But uh, for me, that was kind of a time period. It was about eighth, ninth, eighth to ninth grade, um, where I started being drawn to a lot of older music. You know, I started like that's when like my greatest hits CD collection started to grow. You know, with buying Who's Better, Who's Best, and you know the Doors and Hendrix and all that. But um, I was fortunate as well that there were a lot of bands, particularly some of the ones that we mentioned in the introduction, that had a big influence on me. Um, it was my taste. Um, but I guess we should maybe we should start out with um, should we start out with what we liked back then, or do you want to start with the yeah. music we just? Okay, all right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah. Because um, let's see, I was thirteen. Gave you were fourteen. Levi was yeah. twelve. Right. Right. So very impressionable ages. Right. 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 Yeah. Yeah. And uh, 1993 was the first year I remember um, uh, being excited for a specific album release. Yeah. And that was Mm -hmm. that was Pearl Jam's Versus, which I believe came out October 19th. The fall. Um, it was a fall release. I remember. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. I think it was. I, I remember October nineteenth because that is my sister's birthday. Um, yeah. yeah. So this idea of going to a record store 
and to get in the album as soon as it's released. Granted, I was 13 at the time, so I think somebody probably had to get it for me. Actually, I think my yeah. older sister did get it for me and brought it home to me. And just like yeah. that feeling of 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 a brand new record, and yeah. that was new. Like, do you guys remember uh, like the first time you were ready um, uh, for an album release date? It probably would have been around then. I mean, I I think you're it would right. Have been close to around then. Yeah. Um. I just you know I wasn't. Uh, I mean, this is around the time I really really started to get into music. You know what I mean? Like it's 1993 is kind of like when, aside from a few of the things we'll talk about later, like my interest in baseball, baseball cards started to wane. Yeah. And even even evaporate, <laughs> and then my music and in, my interest in music, you know, really started to pick up. So, the, the money siphoned from one collection to yes, another. <laughs> absolutely. This was the time. This was definitely a transitional period in what sort of filled my brain. Um, but, yeah, you know, I was excited about Pearl Jam. I, I had 10. I don't think I got it until 92. I remember it still yeah. was in the big cardboard box when mm-hmm. I got it. Um, but, I don't, I don't, I, yeah, I don't think I got it in 91, though. I think I got it in 92. Uh, I was... And, and 93 as well was like, I had CDs, but I was still, uh, still acquiring cassettes, too. I still had, that's the same with me as yeah. well. Yeah, like I, I bought CDs, I started buying them, but like I, I still had cassettes. And one of the, I still even had a few cassette singles from that year. Cassingles, if you will. <laughs> so I'm going to mention two. Pass the baton uh, over to uh, to Levi. Uh, but the two cassette singles I had that year, I had, and these were phenomenal songs, Paperboy's Diddy, all right? <laughs> and then also Tony Tony Tones, um, If I Had No Loot. I had the singles of those, and wow. I listened to the shit out of them. <laughs> Um, and they're great songs, you know. I mean, if you look at the, you, you look at the album chart from that year, uh, the, the singles chart, excuse me, you know, hip hop R and B's, you know, dominated. I mean, you know, like the, I think the most popular rock songs of that year, like singles at least, were like Two Princes" by uh, the Spin Doctors and "Runaway Train" by Soul Asylum. Other than that, like it's all R and B and hip hop. Yep. Um, so. Yeah, you know, I because uh, singles were uh, were still important to me. What would you get those like dollar ninety nine at Musicland, Sam Goody? Yeah, I used yeah. to dollar ninety nine Musicland, Sam Goody. Yeah, yeah right. I think the, I think the, I think I was still going to the mall to buy music then. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. How about you, Levi? Yeah, well, one of the first albums that I can remember, I didn't. It wasn't to where I had it planned to where I got it the day it came out. But I remember seeing the video on MTV, and it was either, you know, back then they it might have been sh- right before the album came out or right after it or whatever. But I saw it, and instantly I was like, holy shit, I have to go buy this. It was one of those first times in my life that that happened, and it was um, Lenny Kravitz with Are You oh, Gonna yeah. Go My Way, yeah, which is a classic video. Oh, and, yeah. Um, I saw that video, dude. I thought those everybody in that band looked so cool. <laughs> yeah, I mean, oh, yeah, just, no, yeah. yeah. It, I was twelve years old. I was just like eating it up. Like I could not yeah. get enough. I remember, yeah. like, just watching MTV for a few days, trying to see that video as much as I could, and yeah. then finally convincing my mom to take me to. I don't remember if it was Best Buy or or which which of the local stores, but yeah, I bought it and. 
I proceeded to make copies of it for like people and was just like, you have to hear this. Yeah. And it wasn't necessarily my first introduction with Lenny Kravitz because I remember the album he had right before it called Mama Said. Yeah. And he had, also a, good. He, had a, he had a song on MTV for that record, the uh, It Ain't Over Till It's Over. There was right. a video for that that I remember seeing once or twice. But it was just like the combination. And part of it is Craig Ross. It was it was yeah. Craig Ross's first record with Lenny Kravitz. Guitarist. And so after that, yeah, Craig Ross, guitarist. Thank you, Jonathan. He uh, he basically has never not had him on a record since. So, um, yeah. Oh, really? Was, yeah. yeah he's he's stuck Craig with Ross it. Yeah. Play, Craig Ross yeah. has played on basically every Lenny Kravitz record since Are You Gonna Go My Way. Right on. I think the rest of the band, I mean, he's he's kind of cycled through musicians. But, yeah, that's always been his guy. Yeah. yeah. Well, and so, you know, the whole album is great. The second single, Believe, is really cool and, like, you know, kind of spacey. Yeah. Soul. And so, um, but just, Are You Gonna Go My Way is just, like, still to this day, it's, like, one of the biggest anthems of the 90s. What a riff, dude. It's a killer riff. It oh, is. Yeah. On and, that well, song. And, but, just the, the guitar solo. The, I oh, think yeah. that guitar solo, and I've said it before, I think, but yeah, it's in my like top five guitar solos of the nineties. It's yeah. it's, and if you see, if you've ever seen Lenny Kravitz live, or if you watch some of them on YouTube, Ross does that solo almost kind of note for note most every show I've ever seen, hmm. uh-huh. and so it, I and I think that's cool. As a guitarist, I think that's cool. Just for the fact that that solo is just so classic, it's like don't, don't, don't mess with it. You yeah. know what I mean? It's yeah. like don't, don't tweak perfection. Yeah, uh, yeah. That video, Levi. I was thinking, um, you know, those are those are really good year period for MTV. You know what I mean? Yeah. You because you, you, I mean, like I said, you know, there was a ton of good rap. You know, you yeah. you uh, yeah you even though Pearl Jam stopped making videos with Versus, you had all those. You know, they're probably still showing the videos in 93. You can flip on MTV and see, like, Rage Against the Machine, then followed by, like, Thorn in My Pride video, you know? Or oh, yeah. or Are You Gonna Go My Way? And then, you know, you also had, not on music, but you had, you know, The Real World, which was kind of groundbreaking still at the time, you know? It was, uh, it's a distant memory, but those were those were strong, strong days yeah. for MTV. And for me, they were still my pretty much cassette days because I didn't yeah. really transition to CDs until about 94. And that is one of the ones that I can kind of remember wanting, like knowing when it was going to come out. And that was Bob Seger's greatest hits back when that, when that dropped in 94, because there had been no, no Bob Seger greatest hits up to is that, that with him on the train track. Um, yeah, kind of, yeah, like, kind of, yeah. Yeah. He's got, it's like a, he's got like a redhead kid on the back. Yeah. I think or something. so. Yeah. 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 Right, I, right. I think it's his kid. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. But um, so yeah, this was ninety three. So I was still still rocking the the Maxells. Nice. Yeah, admittedly, so I, you, I had are, the um, I had the uh, singles go. I had the REM's "Man on the Moon" single. Uh, oh, nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cassette I, or CD? Actually, it was the CD. Yeah. Ah, admittedly, fancy. Yeah, All I, right. Yeah. I was 
I was nice. too good for those kids. Those... <laughs> now you're going to tell me the, the Cooler 3. It was the little 3-inch single, yeah, too, right? right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it, it was full size, I think, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, I was full, full on too cool for school. I had the 3-incher. Um, yeah, no, Gabe, you're right. That, that year at the MTV Video Awards, um, Jeremy won big. Of course, that had been out for a while, um, since 92. Um, Peter Gabriel's Digging in the Dirt. Um, Aerosmith's Living on the Edge. Nine Inch Nails. Um, oh, Four Non Blondes, What's Up? Right. Yeah, yeah. Arrested yeah. Development. I, I, I always enjoyed Arrested Development. Uh, I did too, yeah. Around. Yeah. Yeah, I think at the MTV Awards that year, uh, Lenny played "Are You Gonna Go My Way" and John Paul Jones was the bass player. I think, really? yeah, I remember that. Oh. Yeah, All right. that's awesome. Yeah. yeah, the '92 and '93 MTV Music Awards were as good as it got. <laughs> yeah, '92, you know, Nirvana played it, uh, right. PJ, and then PJ and Neil in '93, I think, right? right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Cr- well, you, yeah. Crows, Crows played it in '92. They opened it. Yeah. They were like the first band. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Heady well, uh, times. Man. Heady times. You no mentioned kidding. one of the, my next ones. I was gonna talk about was uh, was Aerosmith. Right. And so um, that was kind of like right when I was getting into them some because I had a friend who was really really into Aerosmith. I've mentioned before on the podcast. And um, that was the year Get a Grip came out was 93. Uh-huh. And so, um, like, it's weird to say that it's the biggest selling Aerosmith album out of all their studio albums. Just because I'm more of an old school Aerosmith fan, but... <laughs> but MTV played a big part in that. But, and, and the businessman in me is like, they're flipping geniuses. Because, like... Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? How many how many bands that were getting played in the mid seventies were getting played in the mid nineties? You know what I mean? Sure. Let alone right. they they got played in the eighties as well. So like, good point. Their management team should definitely get like pats on the back. But yes, um, they've, uh, they've had they've had uh, they've had three acts. You know, like I mean, they're yeah. uh, they're a three act play, Aerosmith. Well, yeah, and that album has like at least six songs that are like pretty much concert staples that they still play Mm -hmm, living on the it's got living on the edge crying crazy amazing eat the rich and then fever and fever ended up being later covered by garth brooks did you guys ever hear that garth brooks like released it as a single back in the it was sometime in the 90s after that I dodged. Uh, I dodged most of his original songs, so I haven't really heard his covers. Was it? Was this his uh, Chris Gaines or whatever it was? His, his rock <laughs> no, alter no, ego. No. <laughs> Chris Gaines had the hair in his eyes. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, the emo hair. Yeah. Oh lordy, yeah, that was awful. That was so bad. <laughs> but no, Levi, you're right, and I, and I remember we. I mean, we would we would chastise. Aerosmith a little bit at the time like yeah don't get me wrong like I own the record and like a lot of people right. own the record but there were a few tracks on there where like oh man they kind of like really you know they sold out uh, on this all one the, that one. the the songs that are one word crying crazy and amazing yeah. right those yeah. those three yeah. could pretty much probably be left off that but eat hey. the, eat the trilogy, rips, of, trilogy of present participles there by uh by Aerosmith <laughs> all right <laughs> <laughs> like I can't remember who it was. I'm pretty sure, like in an interview I saw one time, it was like Joe Perry or Tom Hamilton or somebody was like, 
we played those songs because they bring the girls to the shows who are the ones that lift their shirts up during Sweet Emotion. <laughs> I was like... He had a plan. <laughs> like, that's interesting. I, yeah. I would have thought that the mothers um, that went to the 70s shows would just bring their daughters to do that. <laughs> in the 90s well, that, and that was the beauty of Aerosmith. They, like, somehow made themselves, like, relative and hip in, like, yeah. three different decades. Yeah. 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 And Steven Tyler's still out there, you know, doing whatever, The Voice or, I don't know, some it, competition yeah. show. I yeah. remember watching Wade's World and just being like, that is the coolest thing ever. I want to live in Aurora and have, yeah. like, Aerosmith. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, did you guys listen to uh, uh, Anthrax's Sound of White Noise made a big impression on me at the time? Yeah. Um, I, I remember hearing listening to it with you. Yeah. yeah. Um, no, I've never heard that one. Listening to that record now is right. weird for me because I'm... I just I associate... It's, it's a very... Not, it's a non-Anthrax Anthrax. Exactly, exactly. And it's a total... Um, uh, almost phase shift to accommodate the you know the alternative sound. Oh, totally. Yeah, yeah. But at the same time, I think they executed it well. Um, yeah, and yeah. I ate I ate that up as a as a thirteen fourteen year old. Um, there's there's plenty of songs on there that I thoroughly enjoy, and I still listen to it a couple times a year. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. No, just, it's, it's, it's it's an admirable effort, like you you mentioned. Um, I, I I like it. It's just. Uh, I associate Joey Belladonna with him so much that it's right. like it's hard. It's hard. It's weird to hear it now. Yeah. Yep. Sometimes, yeah. Yep. Because um, he's such John Bush is like such a different singer, you mm-hmm. know. Yeah. But, um, well, what about let's move on, guys, to like albums that um, you 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 discovered maybe in researching this episode, or maybe um, even you know in recent years that you weren't listening to in '93. It was a. Um, uh, it, you know, it was funny when I started to listen to it. Um, I started to listen to a bunch of records that I had never listened to, and I realized yeah. how much of it really sounds the same from that year. Production, production values are similar. Oh um, man, it was so yeah. annoying how similar yeah. the production values were from record to record, and and I was I was struggling there for a while, realizing that man, whenever we do a field guide to a nineteen eighties, it's so much more interesting. Like there's so much more yeah. interesting music. So it took me a while to kind of find yeah. a few things. Yeah. Um, you know, in the meat, like since college and everything, you know, driving and crying and fire hose and crackers, kerosene hat and right. Grantly Buffalo, Uncle Tupelo, Lemonheads, they all released records in 93 that are really pretty good. Oh, is, um, is it a, is, it's a shame about Ray is 93? Uh, uh, come on, feel the Lemonheads is. Oh, okay. Um, come on, feel the Lemonheads. Yeah, is, is 93. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I'm and, sorry. Come on, feel the Lemonheads. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and and so yeah, it was that you know listening back to Crackers Kerosene Hat. What I mean, that album is nonstop. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah, yeah. That's a great, great one. Record. Um, and I, I didn't know it at the time beyond the single. You know what I mean? Beyond low, right? Um, so so yeah, that was that was one I got into later as well. Uh, and Uncle Tupelo, even even late a little bit later, and I didn't really even. I heard Wilco before I heard Uncle Tupelo. You know, I mean, I sure. it's just kind of how it rolled. Um, you know, the, the album that I, a couple that I um, discovered later, um, one of them in researching this episode, and another that just, 
I didn't listen to then, but I since now appreciate um, the latter being um, I really like Bjork's debut from that year. Um, even though it's not, even, it's, it's, it's not her debut. It's actually her second LP, but I think it's the first one after she left the sugar cubes. And yeah, you know, it, it's, it sort of marks her arrival though, you know, as, um, I mean, it's, 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 it's quite quaint compared to later Bjork work, you know, it's, um, it's, it's a little bit of a tamer effort than some of her later work, but, um, I've always respected what she's done, you know, um, I, uh, I, I find her fascinating. Like if you like, if I had to make out like a top five celebrities to meet, like she'd be on it. Like what? Like how's a conversation with her work? Right. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like right. right. Like I mean, just like you imagine like Bjork, just like you know, like like going in and like you know, like buying a Sprite or something. You know what I mean? Like how does, <laughs> you guys how are like all... sitting down at a diner yeah. having like a ham steak breakfast. Right. Like... <laughs> I, I I think she probably just like grabs pieces of air and they turn into like <laughs> little cotton candy things that she puts in her mouth. I, I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't, I, don't, I don't know how like, you know, like her digestive system works. I don't, I don't really know. I'm fascinated by her. So um, she fascinates me. So, that one is is one that I, I like. I, I think like it really flows well start to finish. So if you guys, even if you guys like aren't into her, I recommend that record because I think um, I think it's uh, I think it's really solid and and uh, it, it's some of her more accessible work. Um, and then the other one that I got into recently, it's a guy that I started listening to the Jam in college. Um, I, I, I knew who they were, you know, growing up, but you know they had broken up and. Um, so I, I, I bought kind of their, you know, their, their famous albums, you know, those three or four that they had that are kind of their, their, you know, their canon, so to speak. Uh, but then the jams, you know, principal singer songwriter, Paul Weller released an album in 93 called Wildwood, uh, that I really like a lot. Uh, and I just got into it. You know, I'd always, I, like I said, I've been listening to the jam for a long time, but just started to get into Weller's solo stuff a little bit more, um, and he's still huge overseas. I don't know if you guys know that. Like he like plays like Wembley and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like it's pretty crazy, you know. They come over here, you know, and most people are like, "Who's Paul Weller?" You know, or or they might know the Jam, but they don't know his name. They might know uh, the Jam, yeah, yeah, they might. <laughs> um, but yeah, Wildwood um, is really interesting. You know, it 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 shows his versatility. Like I I don't think he like I like every song on it. Like he lands every punch. It's got it's got moments that kind of sound adult contemporary, sort of. Um, but I, I think it, it shows his range, like from a guy that was, you know, doing the jam, um, uh, you know, a, a punk band, granted a punk band that I think had a little more layers than a lot of punk bands did to, uh, to do, to doing something like Wildwood where, um, you know, it's genre wise, it's, it's kind of all over the map, you know, there's kind of electronic flourishes in it. And, uh, so yeah, it, it really, it really grabbed my ear, you know, ears, uh, when I was researching this episode. And, uh, I think it's one of the most interesting albums of, of 1993. Yeah, I agree. I, uh, I, yeah. I just listened to it yesterday. I enjoyed it. Yeah. yeah. I had, you had put it on your list. So I was going to note that it was one of the ones that I enjoyed as well. Um, yeah. Yeah. He's a uh, good guitar work on it too. I, I, I don't know if he's playing it, yeah. or not, but, um, yeah. It, it, Parts of it reminded me of kind of like, like a punkish background. Yeah, young Neil Young. Sure. Like yeah, there are parts of yeah. there are parts of it that like I was getting that vibe off of. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. yeah. Um, on a related note, did you guys have a chance to listen to Carter the Unstoppable Sex Machine? I did not. I'm sorry. It's, I did. That was I, I, I had that sorry. on while the wife was in the same room. My wife, yeah. yeah, she did not approve. She was like, "What is this?" Yeah, it's kind of kind of punk, kind of electronic, um, kind of political. It's, yeah, yeah, it's yeah, unique. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's got a whole monsters. song called yeah. Lenny and Terrence where he like hates on Terrence Trent Darby and Lenny Kravitz. <laughs> It's 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 an interesting listen. It's I I've, I've yeah I enjoy it. I, I didn't get to that one. I'm sorry. I I guess I I, I listened to some of these while I'm at work. Uh, and I guess maybe maybe it wouldn't have gone over well at work. I don't know. I don't know. Um, it's, it's it's not like lewd necessarily. Yeah, right. the, the name okay. is the most lewd okay. part of it. Okay. Okay. Yeah. 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 So, um, cool. Well, yeah, I I, I am going to spin it though, but. Uh, Cool. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. Please. Two. I'm going to try and I'm going to mention three, but I'll I'll just speak a little shorter on them. Um, One of the ones I discovered this album, it's from 93, but I probably discovered it about 10 years ago when I was working at Recycled Records. A copy of it came in on CD one day. And they were going to throw it away like it was in a pile of CDs we didn't want. And so they were. it was like in the stuff that was going to Goodwill. So I was like, uh, I'll take it. It was Billy Joel's River of Dreams. Oh. And so, yeah, a- again, another artist who somehow managed to get himself like on the charts and have hits like 20 plus years later. He spans, you know? like, his success spans about like chart success spans over three decades, you know? Yeah. I mean, yeah. And so, um. Yeah, the album is good, you know. I and as I've gotten yeah. older, I appreciate it more. It's a good listen now that I'm in middle age. <laughs> right, right. And so, yeah, dude. Um and so yeah, it getting ready for it, like I was playing it and like, you know, the wife saw dancing in the middle of the night. Like, Yeah, she was digging it. Right. It, it. It put good vibes throughout the household. I can, see so, how, I, can, yeah, I can see how that would be an album you'd appreciate as you get older, you know? And um, right. it's crazy that it was his last studio record as a performing artist. He wow. has released, he's released live records since then, and he's released stuff as a composer. But it's wow. his last, like, records. Wow. it's his last studio record as, like, a rock performing artist. Yeah, guys have put out a record, like, of original material, well, non, sort of, you know, sort of pop music yeah, in yeah. 25 years. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Crazy. Huh. Huh. Yeah. And so another one that I had discovered later, um, kind of the same thing. I came across the CD somewhere because, you know, in the last 10 years now, CDs are basically worth nothing. So it's like you can come across CDs really cheap, like garage sales or thrift stores or where, wherever. Even like the resale shop, the record store, Recycled Records. Like the, I remember when it was like the $6 rack of UCDs, then the $5 rack of UCDs, <laughs> then the $4 rack of UCDs. Now the UCDs are $3. Wow. And so... Yeah, you can scan through them, and you can find some really good titles. So one I had found a couple years back is the Rod Stewart Unplugged that came out in 1990. Oh, uh, yeah. Ronnie Wood's playing with him on that. It's the first time they'd played together in over 20 years. Wow. And it's excellent. Like, yeah, it's not, it's not. It's not like Rod Stewart doing, like, 
all forever young and like right. the American it's, songbook. It's like yeah. the the material <laughs> right. is fucking yeah. The material is choice on it. Right. And, yeah. Um, it, you can see some of the clips on YouTube, and uh, you can just tell they're having a really good time, and like they were like kind of you know happy to see each other and play mm-hmm. again after twenty years. And so I highly recommend that record. It's excellent. And then um, one that I discovered in just the last couple of years is uh, Mazzy Stars. Oh, so tonight yeah. that I might see. Yeah. And um, like I guess I just didn't hang out with enough like brooding twelve-year-old girls in 1993 <laughs> <laughs> to where like or like I wasn't making out with enough brooding girls or or like I would have known about the record. Or, or, you would have been if you had making out with enough girls, period. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> so yeah, but yeah, that album is awesome and I like the uh just the tone it sets. Yeah. They, it's, a, um, it's a moody man. The yeah, it's yeah. as they got called dream pop. Yeah. What I think they termed that. Levi, dropping a dream pop reference. I, I wasn't expecting it. That's yeah. How about Into Dust on that record, man? That oh, song that's is that's that song some too. haunting shit, man. Yeah, yeah. I think I want that song played at my funeral or something just to like wig people out. I, I don't know if you guys <laughs> on the note of that song and Levi. I'm sorry, I don't want to take up too much of your time. Um, no, no, no. So from you, that song Into Dust was kind of sort of, I don't know, at least in popular conscience, kind of resurrected a couple of years ago. HBO had this miniseries called The Night Of. I don't know if you guys saw it or not. It's got John Turturro in it. It's really good. It was like a six, seven episode little miniseries, right? And they use Into Dust during a scene in it. And it's probably like one of, and it's perfect. You know what I mean? It's just the tone. It's just, you can go on YouTube and probably just watch that scene, I'm imagining. Um, just just type in Night Of Into Dust and it'll come up somewhere. And uh, just check it, Levi, since you, I know you, you're digging on that record, check it out, man. It's just like, oh, yeah. they just they just use it perfectly in the scene. It's 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 pretty awesome. Right. Anyway, yeah. Yes, if, uh, if we're playing Scrabble, I guess, if you don't want to use Dream Pop, we could also call it Neo Psych. Sure, yeah. I there we go. go. I can take that. I can take that. <laughs> They're both apt. Yeah. <laughs> I, I I do have a few more labels to throw at you. If if Levi, are you finished with yours? Yeah, yeah, that was it. Okay, yeah, yeah. So, um, well, uh, kind of neo psych, indie psych. Um, the verbs, the verbs, a storm in heaven. Um, mm-hmm. their debut album came out in '93, which is I just learned about a couple weeks ago, and I've spun it about half a dozen times since. Really enjoyed. Amazing. Yeah. It's one of the other. It was the other one that I was going to note that yeah, that record is great, and yeah. I had never ever heard it. Yeah, I haven't listened to a ton of the Verve, but apparently this record is unique in their um, collection, in that not mm. all of the Verve sounds like this. So, uh, looking forward to checking out the rest of the Saint, Saint Etienne. The, um, so tough is the name of the record that uh, I think is their debut mm. record. It's kind of a dance pop yeah. uh, deal. Um, Suede's or the London Suede, oh, as they're yeah. known over yeah. here. Uh, they're self-titled, um, kind of glam and Brit pop album mm-hmm. came out and then a, a, a band I, I i discovered uh called tinder sticks um they're new to me uh kind of a somber orchestral pop that uh put a bridge uh in there for me for the national to understand kind of where the national's coming from although i don't know if the national's ever like necessarily talked about them as being a huge influence but um uh, vocally and production wise it seems pretty similar 
Uh, so if you like the national tech, check out uh, Tinder Sticks. Cool. Yeah, the Tinder Sticks I thought was really good as well. Um, I liked the guys. The guy had a unique voice. Yeah, like total baritone and yeah. Yeah, yeah. I uh, no, I dug it. Yeah, and yeah. that. I had the wife in the same room while I was spinning a lot of this stuff, and that was one that she approved of as good, well. Good, so. good, good, good. I'm glad it, <laughs> and, I watched the taste of Carter the Unstoppable Sex Machine out of the ears. And then, so how do you say the other one? Is it Saint, Saint Etienne? Saint Etienne. I went on YouTube uh, yeah. last night to figure out how to pronounce Watch the pronunciation Etienne. videos. Yeah. Saint so Etienne. Yeah, like I, I, like I spun the verb, and then that one, and then that Tinder sticks, and so... I, I'm not sure where Tinder stick are they. Where are they from? Uh, I believe they're from Scotland. I believe. Okay, so yeah. well, I so yeah. My wife is like, man, I really wish I think I could have lived in Europe in the '90s and yeah. just listened to this music. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah actually, oh, man, all of that I stuff could, like, is from in, like, Manchester yeah. in like '92. Yeah. Oh my god, sign me up, man, dude. Yeah, yeah. Wow. I was I was learning some like predecessors of the Manchester genre. Um, right. And in some of this, yeah. and it's like, oh, this is such a, these are such great paths to like, just get totally lost in. There's so much there to discover. I'm kind of yeah. excited to do that. Right. Yeah. yeah. I, I mentioned them in the introduction and finally, and then we'll, we'll transition. But um, I, uh, I, you know, Liz Fair's Exile and Guyville came out in 93, her, her debut. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, it's one of those albums talking about this earlier or mentioned you know it's uh I, I i like it a lot i think it's it's i like it i should say um it's i recognize its importance and i respect it um i i i don't necessarily listen to it all the time you know but i i, I think it's an important work and one that kind of sort of marked the arrival her arrival as uh you know a, a strong force on the scene and i think kind of a needed voice um definitely well yeah yeah honestly, yeah. honestly she was like a perfect combination of madonna and like cheryl crow yeah that's a good way like to put she it. had yeah. like the like the in your faceness of madonna yeah mixed with like the guitar pop vibe of cheryl crow kind of yeah absolutely. and it was like a perfect mix cheryl had her biggest record that year yeah. also and also- that music club was 93 and like Liz Fair, like smart, kind of clever lyrics, yeah. you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, yeah. So I like that. And then also somebody that I, I I'm a, a lot of my friends like her. I, I used to one of Steph's friends is actually in a PJ Harvey cover band called Fifty Queenie. Um, um, but um, you know, I, PJ Harvey was something that you know I'd always heard her name, and I knew she was well respected, you know, and uh, things like that, and. I like her later work a little bit better, like the one from yeah, 2000. Let England shake. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, the one the album from her album in '93 as well. It's uh, it's it's a, it's a probably an overused word to describe it, but it's it's really raw and really visceral. Um, <laughs> but also, I think I think uh, I think an important an important LP as well. I've um, never heard that one. I don't think. Yeah, it, like I don't think it's as strong as her later work, um, which I. I because I've, I've just recently gotten into her. Uh, I, I like her later work a little bit better, but um, it's uh, it's worth a spin, and I think it's it's uh, it's, it's it's something that it, it, I don't I don't think there was a lot of like tunes being made like that quite quite yet. You know, it was 
it's uh it's got a very stripped down but you know it's a lot of feedback a lot of distortion to it you know it's it's interesting right so, on yeah, yeah. But, uh, you know, let's talk about, let's move over to the Ball Diamond, guys, um, in 1993. Yeah, let's, let's make that smooth segue from P.J. Harvey to the Toronto yes. Blue Jays. P.J. Harvey to Joe Carter. <laughs> yes, let's make that, let's make that transition. Um, uh, P.J. Harvey to, Harvey to uh, Kelly Gruber. Um, but anyway, um, two good-looking people right there. You know, they'd make a... Make a make, um, but anyway... Um, Gruber was this a handsome been son of like, a bitch. He was. He was. Yeah. He was. <laughs> this would have been like at the uh, the twilight of our collecting days. It, I, it was. I'm, I'm looking at 93 Topses right now, and yeah, I remember having them. I remember yeah, having really, some yeah. of them. Yeah. When I yeah. look through my well, yeah, when I look through my my cards, like there's a handful of 93s. Yep. But, uh, yep. but and, it, it's, it starts to drop off. And, and uh, it's funny watching the videos on on YouTube from 93. You know, I saw there were Don Russ advertisements in the outfield at certain mm-hmm. ball fields. Um, Upper Deck sponsored this, the Celebrity Home Run Derby during the oh, All-Star wow. Weekend. And you you get a sense, you know, it's the dramatic irony of knowing that these that these companies are spending their money in very ill-advised ways. <laughs> Yeah, right. The bottom is about to fall out from yeah, the industry. Right. <laughs> I, I, uh, yeah, those <laughs> weren't really yeah. able to stain those Fleer Ultras, you know. Yeah. Unfortunately, <laughs> Donruss had gotten a hold of the Atari Guide to How to Run a Business, right. and so Donruss was like, "We'll just make more cards than there are kids." Yeah, <laughs> like, right. you know what I mean. Like, and so yeah, it was just like. Yeah, they just printed themselves into yep. into oblivion. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, one of the things for 1993 in baseball for me, guys, um, that was really, really, I was excited about it. Um, was the arrival of two new teams? We had never seen you know? that before. Yeah, when within our lifetime, the pre the, the most recent team was the Mariners, and they came in '77. Wow. Uh, prior to the arrival of the Marlins and the Rockies in '93, so yeah, I was. I remember. I, I remember being. I, I wasn't. A, you know, like necessarily a fan of either franchise, no. but I was excited. I was genuinely like opening day. I was like, "Wow, man, we got two new teams," and then they sucked, you know. But um, <laughs> but but this was. I, I was thought it was really cool. Um, and you know, their uniform colors um, could not be. You know, this very emblematic of the era. Definitely. Completely. Like, yeah, the teal and sign purple. of things to come. Yeah, I mean the Rockies have kind of mellowed the purple, and it, it, it's you know you think of them now as as a purple baseball franchise. And black. So they, they, yeah, yeah, they've black. kind of made it work, you know. Um, but yeah, those, those first year Marlins caps and shirts. Ooh. Holy smokes, man! Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I, I was looking too, you know, at the at the lineups for those teams. I looked at kind of the opening day rosters and some people that that came onto the team. A little bit later in in '93, in and um, you know, even though the both teams finished uh, in sixth place respectively, um, you know, Galarraga was on Colorado that year, and he hit three seventy. Yeah, big cat man. You know? Absolutely. Yeah, um, so that's that's yeah. one bright spot. Um, I got yeah. to see him play. I got to see him play, and it was against the Braves with McGriff. So it was like. Ah. It was one of the only games I ever went to where it wasn't one of the teams I was a fan of. Yeah. 
Oh, really? That's when they were, right still, they were still playing a mile high, right, Levi? Yeah, it was uh, Coors Field had not been built yet, so it was yeah. at the old mile high. And, yeah, it was like, you know, football lines and a baseball diamond. That's got to be right. weird, yeah, to watch that, you know, like um, it's just because that, that's a place built for football. So Yeah, right, yeah, it, it was funky. Been there, was, yeah. there was a whole section in the outfield where it was just like nobody was sitting up in the one area. Yeah. Oh, really? Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. Uh, I'll, I'll quiz you guys. Hopefully, you don't have the uh, the baseball reference page in front of you. But who was the Marlins starter for their first game? I'll give you a hint. He's a guy that looked like he was about eighty five years old. I I know this Charlie because Huff. very yeah, good. You got it. I watched the it. first five minutes of the broadcast today shamelessly. <laughs> it's yeah, on man. YouTube. You can you Knuckle can watch ball. the entire first game. Yeah, they won. They beat the Dodgers. Dude, um, dude, the the up. Charlie Huff was, of course, he's he's throwing knuckleballs in the in the top of the first. The ump, if if Huff just got at the plate, the ump was calling a strike. Like before, he, he was like Leslie Nielsen. Like before he even like crossed the plate, he's like strike. He was totally pumped up. <laughs> I was breaking about fifty one miles per hour there. Yeah, oh my God, right? yeah. I mean, that and guy got to put that on his resume the for the rest of his career. He's like, I was the ump at the first Marlins game. Oh man, yeah, yeah. You, you should you should check out the first five minutes of the broadcast. But they played at Joe Robbie Stadium, um, the Dolphin Stadium. So. All right. Yeah. Both franchises had to go play in football fields. Yeah, it was, it was still still fairly common in the early nineties. You know, the, the city had, hadn't gotten the public to build them a stadium yet. Basically, in both held hostage quite yet. Yeah. Yes. So I, I was really excited about that. You know, um, it, it was just it was it was it was really just it was new. You know, like I said, you said it I was. Go ahead. I was going to say, we mentioned the colors. I will say the Rockies got got the longer straw on that one. Because yeah. at least like black and purple and silver are somewhat kind of timeless. Like yeah. bright teal. Yeah. Is, yeah. You're always going to be like, that's 1993. Yeah. That, like I feel I felt like every every um, every Mercury Topaz car like <laughs> had that color around them, you know? You always or, see it on like a Mercury or an S Or a sidekick. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely, <laughs> definitely. So yeah, I'm just rolling, rolling down the street of my sidekick with, uh, you know, Jim Eisenreich. Uh, <laughs> Dude, but it's crazy. He was actually on the Phillies that year, so I'll talk about that Dude, later. It's crazy anyway. to think, though, that the Marlins would win the World Series in four years. Yeah. Four oh, well, both, years. Both, both franchises experienced success pretty yeah. quickly. Yeah. yeah. The Marlins one was a joke, you know. I mean, it was just Of course, a, yeah, but they did yeah. it. Yeah, they did it though. You're right. Yeah, Jim, that was uh, Jim Leyland team, right? Yeah, I think. Leyland smoking yeah. heaters in the dugout. Right, right. Yeah, but um, but yeah. So I, I was excited about that. I, I don't remember. I don't know if you guys remember this as well. I remember. I think had I had the card. Walt Weiss was on that inaugural Marlins team. Right? Oh yeah, Benito yeah. Santiago. Most yes. days, yeah, Benito, yeah, yeah. Junior Felix. Yeah. yeah. Do you guys remember? Do, now the the I believe this guy was second in the league in steals that year for the Marlins. Chuck Carr. Chucky Carr. Yep. Yeah. Really, Chuck you Carr, remember yeah. Chuck Carr? I remember. Well, because uh, I have the starting lineup. I got. Oh, it. you had the Chuck <laughs> Carr <laughs> starting lineup. Holy! I shit. didn't buy it in '93. <laughs> I bought it like like six months ago. Wow. Yeah, it's in my office. Yeah. Yeah, Chuck Carr. He, yeah, he had a lot of stolen bases. Yeah. 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 Last night I just exclaimed in the middle of pure silence and watching the baseball game. Who the fuck is Chuck Carr? 
because <laughs> right? I'm doing research. Yeah. Wow. Enough to get a starting lineup, man. Man. Um, okay, what other, unless you guys, hope you guys don't have the uh, the lineups up, who, for the Rockies that year, um, this, I think, was his last season in pro ball, I think. Um, what veteran two-time MVP played for the Rockies? He didn't do much. He hit under 200. You I got, got Dale Murphy. Yep. Yes. yes. Oh, yes. I don't remember that. Yeah. Speaking of speaking of which, that would be a sweet jersey. A Dale Murphy. That would be Rockies a cool. Jersey. That would be a cool Rockies dead it jersey. Would be. Yeah. Wouldn't it would though? Cool yeah. One. Yep. Absolutely. He retired later that summer, just like a couple homers shy of 400. Uh, yeah. 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 Two time MVP man. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Right. On, fringe Hall of Famer won't make it though. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um. But yeah, so the, the, the you know that that's kind of the first story. I guess I'll hand it off to you guys now. But that that one really you know stood out to me. I was just I was just so uh, so excited about you know two well, new teams. I'll, uh, yeah, I'll do a quick rundown of the Cubs. It sucked. Nineteen ninety three was an awful year to be a Cubs fan. We had just lost Maddox over the summer to the Braves, so that was like the first dagger in my chest. We lost Dawson to the Boston. So that was like another dagger to me as as a twelve year old. And Hawk later played for the Marlins, right? Correct. Yes. Yeah, he was in between Cubs and Marlins. He had two years in Boston. All right. And so then on top of it in the World Series, an ex Cub, Joe Carter, hits a home run and becomes the hero. <laughs> so it was <laughs> it was a very bad year to be a Cubs fan. <laughs> we finished in the middle of the pack. It was back when there were seven teams in the National League East. Yeah, yeah it was the last year of, of that. Yeah, last full season, right? Because they had it in 94 and then mm-hmm. the strike. Right. And then 90, 95, they switched to the sort of the current format. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. Sorry, Levi. Yeah, that was um, I remember it's 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 hard to uh, remember that that the Red Sox had Andre Dawson. That is a uh, right? strange. Yeah, it's not like he hit a million home runs for you guys, but no. it was just as a kid. As a kid, I remember it was like, oh, we lost Maddox and we lost Dawson. It was like, yeah. this, oh, what the hell's That's, happening? Yeah. To my it's team? just the, the weirdness of seeing iconic players and yeah, yeah. In, in, you know uniforms that aren't they're not associated with mm-hmm. typically. You know, mm-hmm. well, like Colorado and Florida got teams. Were there other finalist cities for expansion? That, there, that there, there were, um, and there were some obvious ones, uh, like Orlando, um, and Tampa and Washington, DC. Okay. Um, but there was, and, and even, uh, Phoenix ironically didn't even get to the final round. And this was in like 1990 when they decided this. Right. Um, uh, but can you uh, guess a city that I've never associated with major league baseball that was a finalist? to get an expansion team that would have opened in 1993. Boise. No. I'll say Little Rock. Buffalo. Mm. Buffalo. Wow. Those, have been some, those have been some cold April games, man. Oh, right? my God. Seriously. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Buffalo had a really strong minor league team that that um, they had, they, they would top like 1.1 million in attendance, which was more than a lot of major league teams were getting wow. on an annual basis. And wow. so they, yeah, they, they put forward, it was good. They were going to be the Buffalo Bisons. Um, and uh, Mario Cuomo and Larry King were part of their 
uh, their team. The ownership team? Okay. Yeah, yeah, or their wow. delegation ownership. I, I, I don't know which right. is which there, but but yeah, um, Buffalo, huh. go figure. I'm kidding, huh? Wow. The, the Buffalo Bison, that's, it's like the the Red Rouges, or the, yeah. it's like yeah. the yeah, same right. word twice. <laughs> right. Did they, uh, the Los Angeles uh, Angels. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Weird. Did, did they, uh, did they print, make like a logo or anything? I mean, I, I assume, um, I didn't see I assume one. they had something. Yeah, yeah, I mean, because they have their minor league team there. Um, I don't know, I'd have to look it up. Um, I was looking for the Orlando team because they were going to be called the Sun Rays. And Orlando tried to put themselves ahead of everybody else by already having a logo and a name. Um, and they were going to, uh, ironically, going to be called the Sun Rays, which is, of course, the Tampa Bay expansion franchise eventually became the Devil Rays. Uh, so that was uh, funny. But I couldn't find a Sun Rays logo, um, even though they claimed that they had it ready to go. Hmm. Um but uh, yeah, yeah. So what could have been? Um, yeah. So in in July, um, uh, Levi, the aforementioned Fred McGriff, um, he was traded um, to the Braves, right? Um, Correct. Yes. So McGriff was go back to 1990. The Padres sent Joe Carter and Roberto Alomar to the Blue Jays for Tony Fernandez and Fred McGriff. That's like a blockbuster, right? Yeah, yeah. right. That's, so, that's... but this yeah, is this swap. is what the Padres did in '93. They then sent McGriff to the Braves for somebody named Vince Moore and yeah. two supposed baseball players named Donnie Elliott and Melvin Nieves. Yeah, and... Melvin Nieves. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. No. <laughs> so yeah, it was like four no-name guys is basically yeah. who they got. Yeah. Right? Nothing. Yeah. So McGriff shows up to Fulton County Stadium. The day he shows up, there's a huge fire in the press box at Fulton County Stadium. And there's YouTube footage of this, of this serious fire going on while the guys are on the field just taking batting practice. And at the time, the Braves were about nine back of the Giants who were who were just like red hot. That Giants team that year. Oh, yeah. That night, they, they delayed the game just a couple hours. And um, McGriff played in the game that night against the Cardinals and hit uh, a big home run in the sixth inning to uh, complete a comeback against the Cardinals. And the Braves went 51-17 and the rest of the way and stole yeah. the division from the Giants on the very last day of the season. The Braves won 104 games. The, the, the Giants won 103 games and missed the playoffs. Winning 103 <laughs> games. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. And they quickly ratified, the Giants owner quickly ratified the wild card agreement for the 94-95 right. season. It's interesting. <laughs> that was the NL West, you know, like geographically, like Atlanta, San Francisco. Yeah, right. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. The divisions were so goofy. They yeah. were jacked, man. Yeah. <laughs> you talk about the Braves catching fire. I were those were those residual embers that were coming from Andre Risen's house when uh, when uh, <laughs> Lisa, Le- Lisa Left Eye Lopez <laughs> lit it on fire? <laughs> I, I don't know if that was '93 or not. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just, yeah. I'm just <laughs> good good reference though. That's, that's nice. <laughs> uh, oh, oh man, I gotta mention the guy, one of the big studs, and I remember at that time I was about trying to find his cards with Cecil fielder it was it was during the heydays of of the cecil yeah and so uh he was hitting like 50 home runs a year yeah he, yeah and he had like two of the three longest home runs of the year he hit one like almost 490 feet 
Did you, yeah. Levi, did you see that in the uh, YouTube compilation video? Yeah. 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 So did you see the cutaway to, to, uh, to Prince Fielder, to like a seven-year-old Prince Fielder? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. A seven-year-old like, Prince Fielder who weighs like a buck 50. He was a little... He's a little, little, little chunky, but oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, oh, he's... Prince, Prince could have hit one to the warning track at that age. Probably, Probably yeah. <laughs> Prince Fielder looking like a little version of rerun from what's happening. <laughs> so anyway, I mean, God bless but, him. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah, we oh, know yeah. that he he, he put that it to use. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. Well, and like the the greatest thing about him was it was the the classic white Detroit uniform. And mm-hmm. he was so big. He just had like the classic huge Babe Ruth look. He was like, putting him on the roof of of Tiger Stadium. Oh yeah, it was Basically. ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, speaking of homers, Griffey hit and hit homers in eight straight games in July of '93. Nice. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, and then the Blue Jays, of course, uh, you know, on their way to their second. Uh, consecutive World Series. They they acquired Tony Fernandez from the Mets and and Ricky Henderson from uh, from the A's and midseason trades. Tony Fernandez had four stints with the Blue Jays, which is really strange. Damn, I thought that was a cool move though because he Tony Fernandez was with the Blue Jays for like so many years to begin his career, like at least ten years, and then they trade him, and then all of a sudden they're in a in a race to win a World Series, and so they bring so, him like, back, and he gets to back, win, back. he gets to win a World Series. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, <laughs> I'd imagine his run with them probably would have started in the seventies, right? Like, right, like when they were when they were an early team. You know, yeah. I mean, yeah. Blue Jays have only been around since like the mid seventies, I think. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah, and then Jim Abbott hit a hit an or threw a no hitter. Right? Was was that yeah. when he, that was when he was on the Yankees? Right? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Awesome. That was always. Yeah, always, always. Um, I, obviously, these are are words that get thrown around with the guy a lot, you know, heartwarming story, you know, and all mm-hmm. of that. But um, yeah, you know, it's just you, I, I was, I was really excited when the White Sox got him because we, I think it was after that, but uh, we had we had him briefly, um, one of the many veterans, you know, that we acquired for brief periods. Well, yeah, but, and McGriff ended up on the Cubs for a stint for a while too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. Who else did the White Sox have that year, Gabe? In 93? Well, um, you know, let's talk about that. Um, I, I, I did not remember this until I looked at the lineup. Um, we had Ellis Burks that year. Really? I totally had forgotten that. I, I, I vaguely remember it now, but yeah, dude, we had Ellis Burks in 93. Wow. We were, we were a second team. We were his first team after the Red Sox. No kidding. Um, yeah, so that was, that was interesting. I have to admit, I... I, I totally forgot yeah, I that we had that. him. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, you know, the White Sox really, it was one of our best years. It was kind of the culmination of of kind of a, a, the rebuild that started to take off a couple of years earlier, you know, when, when Thomas and, 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 um, and Ventura and Jack Cy Young winner, Jack McDowell came up. Um, so, so yeah, you know, it was a fun team to watch. Um, it was, I think it was Fisk's last, Fisk last year in baseball as well, 93. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, Karkovice was kind of the full-time catcher, I think at that point. Um, and then also other veterans that we had that year, we had Steve Sachs briefly. Nice. Uh, we, we had, we had him in 93. Um, uh, Kirk McCaskill and also Dave Steed 
were on the White Sox in 93. Whoa. Um, yeah, you know, all guys kind of, you know, sort of steep, sort of past his prime. And and um, I, I think we were, I assume we were using him out of the bullpen then, I I would mm. guess, uh, unless maybe he was making spot starts. But, you know, obviously it was Blackjack, the pitching side. I mean, Blackjack's here, you know. Um, he won't go down as one of the, the most famous Cy Young winners, you know. It's kind of a a Bob Welch type situation, but, um, but yeah, you know, he was 22 and 10 that year. Um, and he was, he was the man, you know, and then you had, we had Alex, Alex Fernandez in the two slot and, uh, this was, you know, right after following him and Alex, Alex Fernandez, like won 18 games that year. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you know, um, and Jason Beret had a great rookie year. Oh yeah. Beret year. Yeah. Now he was like, he was like 12 and five or something like that. Um, so yeah, and then rounding out with former Dodger Tim Belcher as the number five. Um, so yeah, you know we our one through, and then we had Wilson Alvarez at number three. So like our, you know it was it was a good rotation. And then also one other veteran we had that year, um, we had him previously um, in the late eighties. But I, Ivan Calderon came back, and that was oh, his yeah. baseball. Yeah, so we had a lot of guys that you know were more famous for playing on other teams. Uh, that'd on, be a cool. That'd be a cool dead jersey to rock at Comiskey. Show oh, yeah. up with a Calderon jersey. Yeah, you know, I, I agree. It, he he still passes the test, although he did play for us for a couple stints. I mean, most people associate him with the Expos. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, you're right there. Um, although I kind of want to get a Dave Steve White Sox jersey now. Um, <laughs> cool. um, but yeah, you know, it was it was a great squad. I mean, my my, my grandfather passed away. Oh, yeah. There. So it was uh, it was kind of a special year for me that they did well. Hmm. He's the one that yeah. introduced me to the White Sox. So he right passed on. away. He passed away that spring, and so yeah, so ninety. Yeah, I always remember you had in your room that little Nellie Fox statue. That he yeah, gave you. yeah, that he gave me. Yeah. Oh, really? Cool. Uh huh. So, uh, but yeah, you know, we're we're no match for the Blue Jays that year. And I mean, just even even with all the talent we had, um, you know, it's it's just uh, they were they were too powerful. You know, um, I we had you know we you know Thomas obviously is first of of two MVPs and just you know the monster years of the '90s for him and Ventura was a star and Guillen was still great and um, you know Lance Johnson in the outfield so yeah it was it was a good squad I mean it's one of the more memorable teams White Sox teams growing up yeah so enjoyed it right on. Uh, just didn't have enough to get over the finish line. You know, it was um, it was exciting to be there in the playoffs. We hadn't we hadn't been to the playoffs in ten years, um, so I was I was thrilled when it was happening. I remember yeah, watching all the it's games. Your first pennant race. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was watching all the games. I went over to my grandma's and watched all the games. Really you know? awesome. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, just not enough. You know, um, not enough to not enough to get over the hump. Yeah, no, you would need, uh, what, another 13 another years what? to do that? 12 years. I would, I I would need that 12. 12, 12, yeah. year, 12 yeah. more years and we'd get there, yeah. yeah. But uh, that was close. That was a taste, at least. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hey, I, I had another 22 years to go. Or right. So, 23. <laughs> right. Um, but, yeah, you know, it was it was uh, good times. Um, another team I, I want to talk about, you know, I was talking about um, – teams I remember from that year, and even though it was the Blue Jays year um, for a title, and, you know, my White Sox were good. I, I When you mentioned 1993 in baseball, I think of the other team that played in the World Series. I think of the Phillies. Um, 
have there has there ever been within our lifetime a, a larger collection of assholes on one team? Right? I mean, <laughs> yeah. I mean seriously, you've got um, you got Kurt Schilling, who's basically John Rocker Light. Um, <laughs> you've got you've got you know Darren, you know, rest in peace. But you know, this doesn't you know Darren DUI Dalton. You know, he's yeah, basically yeah. like. Basically, like the Vince Neal of Major League Baseball in terms of getting behind the wheel when he shouldn't. Um, you've got Mitch Williams, right? Who, you know, wild what, thing, wild thing. You know, ejected from little league games for cursing at uh, cursing at umpires, <laughs> right? Um, and then uh, you've got, in case you haven't heard anybody out there, it's been a, a rough few years for Lenny Dykstra, <laughs> all right. So, like, I mean, you're looking at like, you know, like. The number of DUIs between all of those guys, maybe shilling with standing, like that's like the number of pennants the Yankees have oh, won. Yeah. You know, what I mean, <laughs> yeah. so um, it's just uh, it's just a bunch of jerks on that team, a bunch of a bunch of mulleted, Oakley sunglass wearing assholes is what that team was. With, yeah. that, and, like that, team and, and Mariano to... or what's his name, uh, the Mariano Duncan, they had him too, right? So yeah, you, you, right too, John Crook. Yeah. Yeah. Croc. Yeah. Croc um, made the transition. Yeah. 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 Truck. Croc. Croc as well. I, f- I forgot about. But yeah, um, like the, the whole, the whole Kimmy Powers character is like right. a mashup of that whole team. <laughs> oh, the, the hair. Yeah. On on the yeah. yeah Kenny Powers would have been on the ninety three Blue Jays or ninety three. Um, so I, I noticed I was watching uh, Pete Inconvillia, right? He was. He oh, was Inky was there. Yeah. So yeah. that is the Kenny Powers hair. Is Pete Inconvillia? Yeah. I realized yeah. today on YouTube. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I obviously uh, off the field. You know, not the greatest guys in the world, but uh, it's it's hard to argue with the on the field results for the Phillies that year. Um, I was looking at some numbers, man. Um, Cruck had a four thirty on base percentage that year. Yeah. Yeah, he was a machine. Husband. Yeah, um, and look, listen to this too, man. Um, the starters that year, so um, a lot of those guys I just mentioned, three seventy nine on base percentage for the starters average. Wow, that's pretty good, yeah, dude. Three seventy nine for your, yeah. your your everyday guys yeah. on base percentage. That's four guys too, or I'm sorry, three guys with OBPs over four hundred. Mm-hmm. And then as a team. Factor in everybody else, three fifty one as the whole team. That's higher than any team in baseball, current baseball over the last five years. Sure, yeah, yeah. Machines, dude, yeah. on base machines that you're in. Yeah. Dykstra, Dykstra's o- o- Dykstra was you know right up there. He was like I think four twenty o- OBP. Uh, I think Dalton or somebody. Yeah, one of them had uh, over four hundred OBP. They were, yeah. I mean those guys. You know, like I said, we're a bunch of jerks, but um, God, grinders, man. I mean, just 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 a ragtag bunch. You know, I mean, they I just they think play, of pine they tar when I, when I think of the Phillies. Like my yeah. my fingers get sticky from a pine right, tar right. when I think of them. Absolutely, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, so so yeah, they stand out to me, and I you know every time I go to my in laws um, and my wife, for those of you, I think I mentioned this before, grew up in the Philadelphia suburbs. So she grew up, you know, Phillies fan. She actually went to, uh, I think, two of those World Series games in '93. Oh, right yeah, and uh, their basement is basically a shrine to that team. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it's it's always interesting. Uh, going I there. think of that team, but I always think of satin jackets. 
So it yeah. seemed like there yeah. were there was lots of satin jackets with <laughs> the ninety three jackets. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, they were a jacketed team. Yeah, you had a uh, yeah Terry Mulholland on that team as well. Um, Bobby Thigpen from the White Sox was really? traded to the, yeah. that year. Yeah, yeah, um, you know uh, Eisenreich. Uh, they also had I, I I this is a name that escaped me. I, I looked at the other you know their their starting starting uh, batters and pitchers, and I recognized all the names. But one name I, I don't recall, but he, he almost won Rookie of the Year that year. Kevin Stocker. You guys remember that name? I, I don't, know. S-T-O-C-K-E-R? Yeah. Um, he he played in about, like, 70 games for him that year and, like, finished sixth Rookie of the Year. Dude, he hit three twenty four. Huh. that year. They yeah, gave he was, him a he starting was, lineup? He was, I don't know, but uh, I think I think he played in the series. I think he was their shortstop in the series. Really? And then they had Mickey Morandini over at second base, a good, yeah. Yeah. good uh, yeah. athletic second baseman. He was always leaping oh, yeah. in the air, you know. Yeah. He and, was I mean, on the Cubs for a while, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mediocre hitter, you know, just kind of like your typical second baseman type hitter. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. but uh, yeah, athletic, fun to watch, fun to watch field, definitely. So, yeah, I think of that team, you know, a bunch of jerks. Um but uh, but definitely, uh, um, really, 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 a team I wouldn't want to face. That's for sure. No. Yeah, right, yeah. right. Yeah. Although, unless you're the Blue Jays, right? Unless you're, unless you're, and, yeah, and I'll go ahead and segue into that. Yeah, um, if you, if you're finished there. Yep. Um, but so the Blue Jays were the first team of the century to have the top three hitters in the league, um, in John Olerud, Paul Molitor, and Roberto Alomar. No kidding. Um, John, John Olerud was batting uh, like 390 as late as the last week of August. 90. Jesus. Yeah, he was batting 392, and uh, he ended up batting uh, 363. And uh, Paul Molitor, uh, his right. age 36 and 37 seasons with those back to back Blue Jays champs were, they were some of the best of his career at 36 and mm-hmm. 37. Um, yeah, I, I remember Molitor on those teams. Yeah, uh, and uh, so yeah, I mean he was a he was a huge part of that. Uh, I have to say this because you mentioned him, mm-hmm. Paul Molitor and Jim Eisenreich, who would have played each other in the World Series that year, look a lot alike. Yeah, like look yeah. at their facial. Yeah. They're they're yeah. like I was watching some old Phillies footage and I thought it was Molitor. I'm like, wait a minute, Molitor played on the Phillies? No, it was Jim Eisenreich. <laughs> anyway, just juxtapose the two side by side. They look alike. Anyway, go ahead. Um, uh, and other interesting uh, facts about that that Blue Jays team: a 21 year old Carlos Delgado was on the roster at one point that year. Um, no he was not, he was not a, I don't believe a part of the postseason roster. He was just uh-huh. um, he was called up for a cup of coffee. Um, yeah, yeah. So if you want to feel old or young, I don't know. Right, um, right. And uh, um, also, um, uh, oh, that that uh, starting lineup: Pat Borders, Tony Fernandez, as we mentioned, Ed Sprague, Ricky Henderson, yeah, um, uh, Devon White. Um, they still had Gruber, right? I mean, yeah. Um, Gruber was. He may have been shipped out by that point. I know. Oh, really? Three, he may yeah. Be gone. Because yeah, Ed, Ed Sprague uh, played oh, third okay. base. So was Gruber. Um, Gruber might have been on the '92 team, but not the '93 team. Maybe. I have to look maybe. that up. Oh, was that? Was that sure, I'm on it. Pat Hinkin, you on it? Okay, cool. Um, uh, also on that team on the bench um, was Springfield, Illinois' own Dick Schofield. Uh, got go. a ring that year. Uh, nice. Yeah, yeah. Because he he was on the team. I I don't know if he if he was on the postseason roster, uh, but he was 30 years old that year. 
he he only had about 100 at bats, but uh, he right. got a ring. Nice. Yeah. So Gruber won a World Series in '92 with the Blue Jays. Yeah, and was involved in one of the most controversial plays in World Series history. In the fourth right. inning of Game Three, he appeared to make a diving tag on Deion Sanders' foot to record the third out of a triple play, which would have only been the second such play in a World Series. However, the second base umpire ruled Sanders safe. Ah, Ruber yeah. tore his rotator cuff on the play. Oh. However, he then however he then hit a key game tying home run in the eighth inning. And the Jays won the game in walk-off faction, wow. later taking the series in six. Wow. Crazy. Wow. Damn. So he was then traded in the offseason in 92 for Luis Soho of the uh, California Angels. Yeah. I remember Luis Soho. Yeah. yeah. Although he, he only had about 50 at-bats for that team. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, for that Blue so Jays Gru- Yeah. I have no recollection of Gruber on the Angels. No, none. Oh. I only think of the Blue yeah. Jays. Yeah. So can you guys name, we've mentioned some of them, name the four Hall of Famers on the Blue Jays roster that year? Eventually Molitor. Hall of Famers. Molitor. Henderson. Henderson. Henderson's two. Henderson. Dave Stewart? No. Uh, no. He was, he was Who, on the team, uh, but not a Hall of Famer. Uh, uh, is Carter in the Hall of Fame? No. Nope. Nope. No. Um, Tony Fernandez in the Hall of Fame? No. No. Damn. Um, second baseman. Second baseman and a starting oh, pitcher. Oh, Rob, Robbie Alomar. Robbie Alomar and a starting oh, yeah, pitcher Robbie who Al- just got in. Oh, uh... Mainly because of his postseason heroics. Uh, not oh, sure. I know who it is. Jack Morris. There you go. Yeah, Jack... Yeah. Yep, Jack oh, Morris, yeah. Ricky Henderson, Paul Molitor, and Roberto Alomar. All on that team. Um, although Jack Morris was... Garbage that year in the regular oh, season. Oh yeah, I was gonna yeah. say yeah, he didn't pitch yeah. too well. Yeah. That that's that um, rotation was Juan Guzman, Pat Hankin, Todd Stottlemyre, Dave Stewart, Jack Morris. Wow. Um, Jack Morris was thirty eight at that point, so you know, cut him some slack, I guess. Although he's an asshole, so I won't. Um, yeah, right. All right, so Levi, uh, I, I do have one more bit of trivia here, um, and you kind of touched upon this. Joe Carter played the majority of his career in Cleveland and Toronto. Can you name any of the other four teams he played for? <laughs> Yeah, well, Cubs. He started um, his career as a Cub. I, I totally forgot that. And then uh, who else? Did Joe Carter play for the Marlins? No, yeah. he did not. Um, um, it's a good uh, guess, though, because so many people played on, like, the 97 Marlins. Because they were, they were ready to bring in the yeah, games. Yeah. It's a valid guess. Uh, yeah. West Coast. Uh, did Joe Carter play uh, for the Yankees? No, he didn't. I, I think I know. I think I know one. Okay. I'll give Levi a lifeline here. I think he played for the Padres, Padres, Giants, and Orioles as well. Yeah. Orioles. Oh wow! I, I have no recollection that. of the Orioles. Right? Yeah, yeah. I, I don't I, think I'm... it was uh, a long stint uh, with the right. Orioles. Um, it may huh. have just been like a half a season. Uh, as, as I let this page load, uh, eighty-five games with with the Orioles at age thirty-eight. Um, and then he was shipped over to the Giants midseason. So, yeah, yeah, and um, that that is your um, 1993 Toronto Blue Jays nice. World Series champions. All right. Well, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. The, and, and, and there was one bit of of rock and roll Shinsu Chu crossover in the off season that occurred. Gabe, I'm sure uh, you re- yeah. you remember. I think this. I know this. It was the yeah. only time. Uh, it was. Uh, 
was when Vetter would wear a socks hat occasionally. Yeah, in, he, uh, he wore it on SNL. Yeah, he wore it on Saturday Night Live. So, um, uh, but yeah, that was Jack McDowell, Blackjack, Cy Young winner, and Vetter got in a fight in New Orleans. Right, not yeah. with each other, but together. Yeah, they they yeah. were on one side and they were fighting some other guys. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And and oh, and yeah. McDowell got knocked the fuck out. Like apparently yeah. McDowell hit his head on a tire or something outside and oh like, got knocked out. Um, but Vetter was arrested and because supposedly he started it and who knows why. Um, and because uh, Pearl Jam was in town for two or three dates in New Orleans. And I managed to find an article about this online that was like 20 year retrospective on this happening. And this dude wrote about it. And, and the dude said that, uh, that Vetter actually showed up for his court appearance a couple months later, even though he didn't have to, like a lawyer could have taken care of it. And Vetter showed up in, in, in a jacket and slacks. And, uh, and the judge dismissed the case uh, with Vetter as the defendant because the prosecutors were just like some, I don't know, white trash or something. And, uh, <laughs> um, and Vetter was uh, apparently disappointed. He didn't even get a chance to tell his side of the story. Um, <laughs> but McDowell wasn't there, I don't think. But yeah, I, I wonder if I wonder if Vetter and McDowell still hang out. Hmm. <laughs> well, it's, yeah, Crazy. yeah, and then yeah, McDowell too. You know, had uh, had uh, yeah, as a musician as well. Stick so. figure, right? That was the name of his Stick band. Stick figure. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. So. I know that. <laughs> yeah. Um. Well, anyway, uh, good times there. Nice, uh, nice way to close it out, Jonathan, with our kind of two worlds colliding, literally Absolutely. colliding with yeah. other yeah. fists colliding. Yeah, with, yeah. Um, I'd like to think it was it was uh, Dykstra and Dalton that they got in the fight with. But anyway, <laughs> um, really? if you guys if you guys also want some reading material, um, Darren Dalton Darren Dalton wrote a book on meso- metaphysics as well, and I guess it's pretty out there. So anyway, okay, all right, yeah, yeah, um, it's it's, it's former anyway. Marlin as well, former Marlin. Yeah, yeah, right. Ninety seven. That was his last year. He was on the World Series team. But anyway, um, want to remind everybody uh, you can check us out online at rockchew.com uh you can find all of our previous episodes there as well as links to fun stuff you can follow us on the twitter and the instagram at rock in chew that's rock in chew as in david mead that's an n the need for speed um the rocky's first ace um well done yeah yeah. Um, so you can you can find us uh, on Instagram and Twitter at Rock and Chew. You can find us on Facebook, uh, and you can, like I said, you can listen to us on iTunes, YouTube, or um, any of your favorite podcasting apps. So until next time, we will see you. Um, go go crank up some music from 1993 um, and bust out that Teal Marlins hat. So until next time, we'll see you. Take care. Have a good night. Peace.